Smith, welcome everybody into another episode of Campfire Conversations. This is rendition number 46. Thanks for being here. It's that bonus content that comes at you as frequently as we can put it out. We've got a, uh, well, a, a very front and center topic to discuss today on the heels of Liberty Safes finding themselves in very hot water after providing the FBI with master codes to Nathan Hughes' safe, like Hey, this is we know this is your safe. You bought it from us, but uh, the FBI is at your house and they've asked for the code, so we're going to give it to them. What? Crazy stuff. Uh, but the, and even more crazy, Nathan Hughes was an unarmed attendee of the January sixth thing. Like, uh, people want to say oh, this was an insurrection. In my opinion, if we know everyone that supports Trump owns a gun and they were intent on overthrowing the government, wouldn't they bring the damn guns to the insurrection? Just a thought. No, uh, for me, it was just a crowd that was worked into a frenzy, and even then, it was a mostly peaceful protest, as the left-wing media likes to say, except for this one was actually uh, mostly peaceful. There weren't Molotov cocktails. There weren't store owners being shot. Uh, the only person that was shot was actual was actually one of the people trying to enter the Capitol, not the other way around. Uh, but I digress. None of that's important. What's important is that Liberty Safes gave the FBI the codes to this dude's safe. And so uh, joining us now to give his thoughts on the situation and what his company does, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show our old friend Tom Kubinek of Secure It Tactical. It's good to be back, brother. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit. It's uh... Yeah. The Absolutely. world changes quickly, doesn't it? So you <laughs> were uh, on a little bit of a road trip. I was. Out. I had a. I got my one son down to West Virginia University. Then I headed down to Florida with. I had a trailer in tow with my big truck. To I was picking up a car in Florida. Hmm. My wife flew down to Savannah with my daughter, getting her to school, and uh, so I swung up to Savannah, spent a few days with them, and then my wife and I drove back, bringing my. I've got a little a 1956 Almquist Saber. That I, have I restored. No idea what that is. There's four of them. Um, oh, wow. I bought it for eight hundred dollars in a field in Tennessee. Started doing research on it, and uh, it's actually a pretty incredible history to the car. So we did a full, full restoration, and the car was in the Amelia Island Concourse. It took second place in class at Amelia, which is a it's a big show. And uh, yes, yeah, so I just got the car back. It's gonna. I'll get it up on the road here for limited treks, and uh, it's probably gonna end up in. Uh, a museum. I think it's probably going to end up in Saratoga or uh, one of the car museums. And who's the manufacturer of this thing? Um, it's Elmquist Engineering. Ed Elmquist is considered the father or grandfather of American hot rodding. He wrote the very first book on hot rodding in 1949. Hmm. He lived in Pennsylvania. Hot rodding was a Southern California thing. He made it national. And he started Elmquist Engineering and all the early drag racers, the you know Don Garlitz and all those guys, they all bought their parts from Elmquist Engineering. There were no sports cars in America. Fiberglass was the new magic material in the early 50s. So he designed the Sabre, marketed through his company. It is America's first kit car. So it's oh, the wow. car. It's the car. And he's the guy that started 
the whole kit car industry. Fascinating. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's, I had no idea when I bought it. I just thought this thing's cool. I, I threw a bit of eight hundred bucks on uh, eBay. It was, I mean, it was rotted out. It's bad. It was almost collapsed to the ground. Mm. It was so bad. And uh, so we started off on a full, full on five year restoration project. Wow, wow. Um, how is the farm in New York looking? Have you have you seen any bucks that are? Piquing your interest? Yes. In fact, I'm doing cameras. I'm I'm really late on cameras. I've just been so busy. Um, I do not have any trail cams up, but I stumbled upon uh I was heading up early in the morning. I'm working on a, a blind a new blind, one well, new redneck blind we're putting up way up in the woods, up in the high country. And I came across a buck. I it was fast. It's one of the biggest bucks I've seen in New York State. It was huge. I did not, I can't say what it was. I didn't have time to sit there and count points or anything. Yeah. But it was huge. So sometimes you just see a glimpse of them, but you're like, oh, that's a shooter. I know. Oh, oh this was this was like no this was a this would have been the biggest thing that I've ever mounted on a wall. <laughs> this was yeah. yeah, this was a glory time. So I've seen him before. I saw him last year before the season and never saw him again. I just it's gotta be the same guy. Uh-huh. But uh yeah, I've got a lot of I've seen a lot of four points, a lot of uh tons of does. So yeah, we've got a lot of activity right now. Good, good, um, good. Turkey good. this year. There's a lot of turkey on the property. Oh, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, across a lot of uh the eastern turkeys range, they're they're saying numbers have been declining. Some people want to blame it on reaping, which is the practice of crawling up to the turkey with a actual turkey fan. And okay. Seems like uh, a dominant gobbler just can't resist that. It comes in. Oh, I, I'm I'm not a super savvy turkey hunter, mm. so I just buy noise devices and hide in the weeds, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or sit in the blind like everybody else. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, um, you know, we've had, I think you were on maybe six months ago or so, and yeah. since that time, I've uh, I've gotten my answer twelve and eight, and have the uh, I forget the name of the handgun safe, but I've tr- I've gone through so many handgun safes and yeah. biometric. Put your fingerprints in. Uh, that's garbage. Here's a key. Okay, by that time, too late. Um, what is the name of ours? Because it's just a four. I just have a little four number. It's code. like the AGO one and the AGO two, depending on size. I absolutely love that thing. And before I had kids, you know, my handgun safe was just the handgun sitting on the nightstand. Right. Uh, but then you yep. know you have kids, and it's like. Yeah, my kids, I trust not to pick up a firearm, but what about their friends or cousins That's, or whoever else, you know? So once uh, you've got changed. kids, you yeah, the family dynamic of nephews, nieces, friends, mm-hmm. and uh, you just, there's too many stories you read about things going wrong. And uh, nobody wants to be that parent. Gosh, That's got to be a horrible existence. This kid uh, I played soccer with when I was in grade school, a uh, young kid, and he was the goalie on our team. And, we had since stopped playing together, but I, I, like my dad showed me a newspaper article. Of, uh, he had was looking for Christmas presents in his parents' closet and found his dad's gun and killed himself with it on accident. Wow, yeah, it's that was it very happens, real as a yeah, know. it happens that quick. And uh, whenever you see these tragedies, you can trace back, and there's always links in that chain that could easily have been broken. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a chain of events and. Uh, if you're going to own a handgun, I'm not sure we should ne- never put a handgun in a closet simply because you're not going to train with it. 
Right. You know, you know, lock it in a safe, put it in a place where you see the safe on a regular basis. And you, you, if you're going to own a handgun, you should be out at the range. Mm-hmm. I would hope every month, I think at least four times a year, if yeah. you're going to maintain proficiency. I'm not really good with a handgun. I use a shotgun and a rifle. Um, I don't shoot enough to, I, I for myself, I don't shoot enough to consider a handgun for home defense. Um, mm-hmm. But an AR-15 or a pump shotgun, I can be proficient and confident with limited training. And what, what's uh, more intimidating to an intruder than that racking of the shotgun yeah right <laughs> no it's uh yeah but not hurt well you know yeah if you know in the military you use a handgun to fight to your ar-15 well, right four that's the purpose of a handgun um well you know you've been busy the past week doing interviews oh, yeah. because the the s hit the fan so to speak um yeah the story came out of 34 year old nathan hughes who mm-hmm. I don't he wasn't at home, but no. the FBI raided his residence and apparently wanted access to his safe manufacturer was Liberty Safes. I think they are the number one manufacturer in the country, huge yeah. company. And they were happy to oblige and just provide the FBI with a master code so they could access Nathan's gun safe. Yeah. Which it's... was surprising. Um so when you saw that. Uh, a, were you surprised that they had a master code to the safe and B, that they were more than happy to provide it to the FBI? No, I, I knew they had master codes. Um, mm-hmm. The safe, the, the gun safe, the big heavy gun safe industry, for the most part, they all have master codes. There's a reason they have master codes, but that they that they gave it over. When I heard the news and Chris, I mean, I've been driving and I've been... Uh, I was at a training facility. I spent a morning at a training facility with Gary Melton. He was giving me a tour and he's and he's got a big showroom of our stuff. And so I was kind of out of the loop. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you're not gonna believe what's going on. And uh I was shocked again. They, they, had a, they had a warrant, they sent it over, they said, Okay, you've got a warrant, here's the code. I would have hoped that anyone would say, I'm sorry, without a specific court order. Um, or a subpoena, we will not open our books. And I, I think that that, because to me, and I don't know the law, I don't, but to me, for anybody, they have a search warrant to search the premises. It doesn't allow them to search Liberty's database for information. Right. And the Liberty's under no obligation to say, to, to, to give a code. They're, they're not, unless the, the court comes back with documentation to, directed to Liberty. A court order to Liberty, not to the Hughes, and just says, you know, coming out of court, you are, we're mandating under penalty of law that you have to. Now, now, that may change the dynamic a little bit, but it's it's a sad day in the gun safe community when this stuff happens. It really is. And I well, think it's, it's a lot it's of ripples. sad for the safe community, but also it's sad times we live in because this dude who wasn't armed, by my understanding, at the January 6th. At the Capitol that day, what is what? Do, what do his guns have to do with just being there? I yeah. don't. I don't get it. Like it's, it's certainly I, a I witch hunt. And then there's these uh, protesters that were in um, McCarthy's office this week. Yep. Who who broke in? Right. And, yeah. And 
they gave the guy that was sitting in Pelosi's desk uh, four and a half years in prison for just entering her office. They better get four and a half years in prison. You, you'd think so. It's, uh, but nobody, yeah, I don't, I don't, think they will. I don't read enough. I don't spend enough time to really dig into this stuff. And I'm not sure what's happening with our justice department, but, uh, it is oh, I can tell you it's been weaponized. It's no oh, yeah. longer. It, oh, it has. It has. You see the the levels. I'm hoping that there's some watershed moments happening and we all see what happens when it really goes the wrong way. And I think America's waking up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the people that just want to be left alone are getting involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, between that and what's happening in our schools, I, I hope it uh, there's a big snap back the other way. But uh, we can talk, you know, I'm, I've, I've been watching these stories. I'm, I'm reading posts and I'm seeing all these people and freaking out about they're keeping secret codes and stuff. You know, as a safe owner, you have some decisions to make. Uh, most of the manufacturers do keep a manufacturer's access code and they keep it for their warranty so that if you lock yourself out of your safe, you can contact them. Typically, they will not give it to you, but if you go to a locksmith, certified lock, locksmith comes to the home, verifies as safe as yours, you're the owner, they call the manufacturer, they get a code, they open it. And does that mean that the government doesn't couldn't get those codes? No. Are they likely to? I don't know. You know, my fear is that in a in a in a crazy situation, Justice Department subpoenas um, one of the big safe manufacturers for their records. And now they have a list of every safe owner with the size of the safe and the combination, you know, thousands say, you know, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of scary. Our, our policy since day one, um, we don't keep access codes in the decision. I mean, true honesty the decision was not violates the principle. It was just, we came out of the military, you know, we've been building military armories for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, we design and build an armory for, let's say, third group special forces. We're all done. We don't keep anything. I mean, we the project goes to the military, and if we were to maintain any sort of lock code or something, I'd be arrested. You know, it's just it's so cut and dry for me in the military. The regulations, my rules, what I do, it is so cut and dry. I walk out of that armory. They turn and lock the door. I'm no longer authorized to walk back in that armory. It's just. It's the world we live in. So when we started going into retail and we started looking at cabinets and safes and started talking about locks, and um, we have a proprietary lock that we manufacture that does not have a backup code. There's no capacity. It cannot get a backup code the way it's programmed. But we do use that, that Securam or Securam lock in our answer safes right now. When we met with them, and this was years ago, they came to us and explained everything. So now here's, here's your user code and here's the master code. That's what they call it. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, so explain to me why are there two? Do, do you need one for the other? No, no, no. What is the user code is for the person you sell the safe to. Most manufacturers keep the master code. That way, if, the, if your customer locks themselves out of a safe, you've got a master code and you can help them get back in. Well, we all, as me, as Frank and uh, and Jeff, my two, my two other senior guys in the company, we kind of looked at each other and just, and it really wasn't about like safety and security. It was about, it was about pain. Wait, you want us to maintain a database of which safe with which customer and a code? We're like, we don't want to do that. I mean, right. and it was like, do we want the liability? We're like, no. So we just, from the very get-go, it never occurred to us really that you could do it another way. And what we do, like with our secure M locks, when you buy an answer cabinet from us, 
you receive the cabinet, you receive the paperwork, and you receive the documentation with the two access codes explaining this is your user code and this is a master code. And what I always tell people to do is the user code is what you program and use on a daily basis to open your safe. Reprogram the master code. And then this is on you because if you lose both, you are going to be destroying the door of the safe to get, get it open. Yeah. So, take the, so take the master code, create a contact on your phone that you know, just a, could be a cartoon character, something, and put it in the notes. And then commit it to a piece of paper. If you've got a, a safety deposit box, a place where you keep like life insurance policies and things, it's kind of safe. Keep a copy there. And then put a copy in an envelope and just put it in the back of your freezer. Nobody is going to look for Nobody's going to find it. Well, not until they hear and, this interview. Well, like this again, but you'll always or a place like that because yeah. I've done stuff like that is like I've got an emergency backup key to my car. That's the one. It's not there's a two program keys like two hundred bucks a pop and the extra one. Put an envelope and put it in the freezer. Sit in the shelf in there. I always know where it is, always, and nobody else. You know, it's just it's there's things like that, that and there's places in your house that you know you'll always know where it is a little knickknack box that you got crappy head when you were in high school that you just can't get rid of mm-hmm. just write it down nobody's going to know what it is and throw it in there because you have to have a hard copy of that that code because if by chance you lose the code or if you're i don't know something happens and you don't have that primary code you need the backup one and it's on the customer we you know we don't keep them so with our safes if you lose your code, you're out of luck. Now the the I think I'll keep mine, which I haven't done this yet, but I think I'll keep mine in the other safe. I'll just keep the opposite one. You know, you, you know the answer you, twelve, I'll put it in the eight. The eight I'll put in the twelve. That's no way I'm gonna get locked well. out of both at the same time. Now we are going to a proprietary lock for the answer. We are in the process right now, tooling's been ordered and we're re- we've redesigned the answer series locks. In fact, our whole the locks across our product line are all changing to a standard lock just just to the brand looks consistent and we can maintain our level of access. We're increasing the size of the buttons and we're making it ergonomically so you can actually do the keypad faster. But uh, now and our, our uh, agile line of safes does have a key, key to open. You've got backup keys, keys that we cannot copy. We do not have backup copies. So you have to unscrew the nameplate on the safe and there is a hole to put a key in to open it. So we tell people, keep these keys in a safe place. If something happens to your lock, this is how you, if you forget your combination, this is how you open it. Hmm. And we've had a few instances where people have lost the combinations on answers, both of them. And uh, you have to destroy the door to open it. And we walk them through it. But it's so rare. It's happened once or twice. But we happen to have, you know, damaged safes that were shipped back to us, scratch and dents, we call them. We can't sell them. They've got dents in them. But the doors were fine. And we sent new doors to the huh. customer at no charge. We, they paid the shipping. We gave them the doors That's cool. um, just to solve the problem. And our warranty, our warranty doesn't really, isn't really affected by ownership. It's 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 the safe. If somebody calls us with a secure it safe and there's a manufacturer's defect problem, we help them solve the problem. And we don't really get into show us your warranty card, show us your proof of it's You know, our warranty claims are so rare for us. Again, coming from the military, it's all about, supporting the warfighter, making him safer and better prepared. So if somebody calls me with one of my safes and there's an issue with it and we verify they can open the safe and, they, and clearly it's their safe, we just solve the problem. We just we just take care of it. Most gun safe companies want you to register your safe where they've got 
you know, if you buy it at a dealer, they don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> they've got your name, your address, all the information about you and the model of your safe. Cause I mean, they're registering it for the warranty. Right. We do not require that. It's, um, well, that's if there's a if there's a record of it, like because when you go and buy a safe, it's not like a gun where there's a record of that purchase. This it, credit card companies aren't tracking uh, safe sales either, but you're correct by you know default you're entered into this registry if you want to have a warranty, um, and then I... and then now you have the the FBI, which has been weaponized, much like the DOJ. Yeah. Knocking on your door, and I know you have this giant safe. Let's see what's in there. It's oh. you, you. You wonder, and uh, you know, for us, there are certain cornerstones of security and safety. And for us, you know, discretion, secret. All of our safes are small and thinner, so you can put them in. You can put them in discrete locations. Mine's in the. You can see mine in the yeah. closet right there. So you close the door, nobody sees it. And mm -hmm. anonymity is another one secrecy is nobody needs to know that you have a safe. It drives me nuts when I see ads and it, right, I don't want to pick on Liberty. Their website right now has a big safe in the front with the pool. The guys are playing pool and the safe is right there in the middle of the room with these huge picture windows showing a neighborhood. So everybody walking by sees the safe. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, they just don't get it. They, they don't, they don't, you know, you know, we come, we come from a mindset from the military of, this is security. This is like our safes aren't pretty to look at. They're not ugly, but they're yeah. not like this beautiful Wild West lettering, this glossy paint. Our safes are meant to go into places that nobody knows where they are because that's what security is all about. And then yet still provide you with fast access. So I'm not sure how this shakes out because most of the gun safe manufacturers, what I've read and people I've talked to, they're not going to change the policy because for their warranty, they feel their hands are tied. If there's a problem with their safe and they don't have that master code, they don't want a customer to have to destroy their safe to get into it. Our policy is we're if, if we've got like our true safe um, is becoming very popular again. And that's got a, I think it's an SMG lock on it. You get both codes and you know what? It's an expensive safe. And if you lose both those codes, you're out in a very expensive safe. But I think, I think the, the, the gun owning, the American population, people that are want security and safety, I think that they can be trusted with two codes. I think they want the responsibility and they want to control 100% who knows what they have, who can get to what they have, I mean, every aspect of it. So we're saying, and we're the only ones that I know that are doing this, here's your, here's your gun safe. It's got this lock. Here's the codes. We don't keep track of serial numbers. We don't, we don't keep track of the any data that, that references a lock to a customer and we have no codes, but we have the verbiage in there saying your user code is your user code. That master code needs to be reset and stored in a place that's not going to be lost. Safety deposit box is the best, you know, for, for stuff like that. But everybody has their places, you know, where they keep passports, they keep things and it's just, Thieves aren't going to be looking around and all of a sudden see a piece of paper, the numbers, oh, it's a master code. They're not going to know. But uh, I do worry about if our politics goes any farther left. And one of the problems that Liberty's facing, I think is bigger than the, the lock issue, is the politics of their ownership. And that came yeah. to light. And it was, it was uh, 
it was damning. And it, it, I was shocked when I saw it because mm-hmm. they're, they're owned by a very hard left um, private equity firm who donates to what I believe are some pretty radical left-wing politicians. It's a group, I think they're out of San Francisco and you know, that their politics are their politics and they, I, I will fight for their right to believe in what they want to believe in. Why would they buy a company in the firearms community? That's the disconnect. Because now people, well, you know, are it's like uh, one of the most popular broadhead companies right now is Iron Will Broadheads, mm-hmm. and someone recently sent me a link to the owner's wife's personal Facebook page, and it is littered with anti-Republican sentiment. Like it is hardcore pro-vaccine. You're oh, a threat yeah. to society if you're not getting the shot. Uh, one of the things was, you know, Republicans or like uh, compare like a second grader to Republican. What's the difference? A second grader smarter, you know, and I'm like, no, I know it's, it's this lady doesn't even know who's buying their broadheads. And I guarantee you her husband is of a like mind because those type of marriages do not last. You can't be over here on this side of the fence and be like, Oh, by my wife, my wife thinks I'm a moron. Like, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. So, well, the more the people that I know that are constantly posting stuff like that, I don't feel sorry for them. But to me, they're impotent. They they're posting, they're reaching, they're lashing out with this because they feel powerless within their own party to actually make a difference. You know, I was t- it's like, okay, don't don't post political crap online. If you feel passionate about it, go down and argue your point. Go to meet with your politician. Go, I mean, go to rally, go get out and speak to groups, actually, you know, win over hearts and minds. But just posting on social media is equivalent of a little kid throwing a temper tantrum. It's kind of how I look at it. Well, then I throw a lot of tantrums online. Do you post a lot of stuff? (laughs) Well, but it's all pro 2A stuff. You know I mean? It's relevant to my line of work. So uh, again, I'm not talking, there's information, there's things going on. I'm talking about my, in my opinion, she's attacking her customer base. (laughs) It's the ones that are are attacking and saying they're stupid because not, I support this because that's a, that's a Mm -hmm. very different. um, Mm -hmm. I've got family members that are, are, distant but very they've they've got the trump delusion syndrome and they're ir- they're smart people and they're irrational and i love having conversations with them because i just ask questions and they usually get mad but they we have good conversations but they just they can't get past accu that, that pelosi accusations matter i'm like no they really don't evidence so matters. my uh some of my family was over to watch the Cowboy game. By the way, I hope you're not a Giants fan because that was an ass stomping. Uh, that we you know, I, I'm aware of the game. Movie. I didn't see it. It was I, I was I was at a I was at a steakhouse. We were having dinner in that game. We were like, holy cow! That was a, that was a romp. Forty to zero. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway, they are kind of like your family members, and so they they were poking the bear, and mm-hmm. you know we don't we don't talk about a lot. We've just had to agree to disagree, but. Yeah, they'd had a few drinks and they were like, let's get cable on the transgender thing. And that's a bad, that's, I will yeah. tell you the truth about it and they don't want to hear it. And so I, I said, you know what? I'm not talking about it. I went outside to like turn the propane off on the, the, the grill or something. And I came back and I was like, no, we'll talk about it. Fine. You brought it up. We will. I said, look at, look at me, look at my skin color. If I told you I'm African-American, what would you say? And they were just like, oh. Well, you're not. I'm like, right. 
and I'm, and I'm, but I'm closer to being African American than a man is closer to being a woman. Yeah. So, they, and then you know, and then it's crickets, and then it's like, then it's like they don't call me a bigot, but but that's the fallback from the, no, it's it's from their this, side is like this trans thing. What's crazy about it is the buy the, the number of adults that buy into it, and again, mm-hmm. I feel I feel for the kids that are struggling, but going from a child to an adult is a very difficult transition on a, on a hormonal fluctuation. You know, middle schools are always nuts because the kids are nuts. And uh, kids need rocks. Parents are normally rocks that don't move. Religion can be a rock. Your gender is a rock. These are things that you can lean against as you, as, as structure to move through things. And we're, Fundamental we're truths, yes. It's, and why is it, if this is so real, why is that in... Other countries and countries that are very open, liberal countries. Why is it that only America seems to have one in like one of every five kids is now trans? The rest of the world isn't seeing this. All of a sudden, it's it's actually it's the a, European countries that were like really progressive on that. Like uh, they backed the off. Netherlands, the they they've they've walked it back. They're they like, have. Whoa, they whoa, have. Whoa. We are. We're certainly not going to give these kids these inject them with experimental no. drugs anymore. I'll tell you but what. Over here, we're like. California is passing laws to say that if you're a parent and you don't affirm your child's gender identity, whatever they I choose know. it to be, I know. that you could lose custody of your chi- of your kids. It's amazing. It's um, well, the pharmaceutical side of it. I'm uh, I'm very outspoken against the whole industry. I don't I don't believe in it. I don't take any pharmaceuticals. I will not take. I mean, if I break an arm and I've got a pain pill, eh, maybe. If I do something like something like if I need if I do something and I damage myself in a way that needs to be fixed, I'll get it fixed. But I will take no medication. And when they say you gotta take this for the rest of your life, the human body doesn't go off the rails. Our diet drives us off the rails. And my blood work is good. I have a very strict diet, and uh I will never take a prescription drug. I would rather die at 74 than live to 84 taking a box of pills. I'm just, well, how can I, you trust them? That's the thing. I don't, it's, I don't. Yeah. And it's all it's all about who's lining whose pockets. So, it's all about money. It's, you know, I saw you this know. thing. So, uh, Djokovic won the U S open <laughs> who famously wasn't allowed to participate at the U S yep. open two years ago because he wasn't, wouldn't take the vaccine. Yep. And then the ESPN clip was sponsored by Moderna and it said Moderna's shot of the day. And it was him smashing like a forehand, nice. there, you know, <laughs> and it was so ironic because the shot of the day was sponsored by a company and uh, that he abhorred and was completely at odds with. So that was well. If they try to come back with this mass mandate, I, I think the pushback will be will be harsh. I don't I don't think they can do it. I think there's too many people. There's too many people that have seen the light um, that are that are again main pharmaceuticals advertise spend money advertising on television their amount of they spend on print and tv ads is more than all other advertisers combined you will never see a negative article or a negative news story on a pharmaceutical Mm. but they're also the most heavily fined industry in the world and rogan has a lot of great speakers a lot of great researchers and scientists that have great information on the, the, the ins and outs of that industry and it's it's driving america to bankruptcy right now uh rfk uh, Junior was on, and while nope. he is not a, um, he's not like a pharmaceutical engineer, he has spent a lot of his career oh, yeah. suing those companies. I uh, thought, which is why I, I don't think those podcasts, why the Democrats brilliant. are afraid of him. Like, yeah, 
he was, uh, I actually listened to that podcast twice, mm-hmm. which I mean, Rogan, that's a three hour podcast. I was on, I was driving and I listened to it. I, two days later, I started up again, driving to work, everybody listening to it. I just, I, it floored me yeah. how accurate only, but he backed it up with data. He would make mm-hmm. statements and he'd go into the data and it really changed my view of a lot of things. And it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I, and politically, I don't think I'd vote for him. No, but me neither. But I support I support what he's doing. But out of, out from that side of the fence, he's the least yeah. egregious. In oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, he's. He, you could argue that thirty years ago he's a libertarian. Mm-hmm. You yeah. could argue that. I mean, there's, there's. I mean, JFK. I mean, J, you know, Kennedy as a president by today's standards is a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> when you look oh, at his sure. actual stance, but. Yeah. Uh, the uh, you know, going back to what's going on in the gun safe industry, it's um. How do you think the, the backlash is going to affect their business? Um, I think the politics around liberty's ownership has longer legs than the than the access codes. Um, people want to buy safes, and they all keep access codes, and people are finding that out. So they either get used to the fact that a safe company has an access code. They, mm-hmm. they buy my safe. It doesn't mean, again, I'm not saying my safe is right for everybody. I don't know. We make fast access modular safes. They're not huge. They're smaller. If you got a lot of guns, you buy two or three. But it's, you know, we're honest about capacity. My six-gun safe holds six guns. And they can be six guns with big scopes. It'll properly hold six guns. My 10-gun holds 10. My 12 holds 12. But I don't make a safe that's 36 inches by 59 inches by 18 inches that holds 45 guns because it's impossible. Hmm. Um, and the other piece for us is, and we, we get lit up on this is I do manufacture some things in China and it's out of necessity right now. And, you know, I'm trying to get ahead of this with people. So they understand it's not cheaper to make in China. It's not certainly not easier right now. I got huge tariffs. The shipping is very expensive now. And it's a real pain in the neck, but mm-hmm. we send out requests. I've got a girl that works for me. She big part of her job is sourcing and finding me sources for products that we make in China to get them out of China. We send out for our agile cabinet. We've done this multiple times a year. We gather all the data we can on metal manufacturing. We send out requests and they all come back. The, either they come back saying, we don't do this kind of work. We don't have that kind of machinery or we can't handle the capacity. We cannot deliver on the quantities that you want. Then you do a little research. In America, the average press brakeman, that's in a metal fab shop, press brakeman, the average is 55 years old. The average machinist, I think, is 58 years old. No kids are going into these trades. The schools- I bet they make a good living too. Dude, they make great money. They make great money. The the school's guidance departments, and my kids went through this, the guidance departments and schools push everybody, you have to go to college to be successful. They're, you have to go get measured. a degree in women's studies. They're they're measured <laughs> not in the success of the kids. They're measured in the percentage of kids that go to college. And no kids are going into these trades. In the next 10 years, steel manufacturing in America is gonna is gonna be all but gone. There's just there, there's no workers that can do this work. It's not, I mean, we may be already too late and that the apprenticeships, the jobs, people, you're in those jobs for years as you build up to doing this and being really good at it. So, I mean, I didn't go to college. I don't, I mean, I always tell people I run, I'm the founder, CEO of Secure. I didn't go to college, but everybody that works for me did. You know, it's, uh, 
you don't need to. I mean, it's, I don't, my, my kids are in college because they wanted to go and they had a reason and they're focused on something. I said, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're unsure, don't. I mean, I look at electrical work, I look at contracting. If I was a kid now, Shoot, I'd UPS play. drivers just got what they're getting paid like, uh, came out last week. They're like at 160 now or something like that. They're, they're making money. I'd, I'd go into contracting, building houses. I like to make stuff. I don't, you know, I spent a lot of time in my shop. I spent a lot of time building cars, building, just making stuff. I'd love to, I mean, building houses would be cool. Do an yeah. apprenticeship, work for five years, start your own business. It'd be a great way to go. But again, going back to the, 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 the China piece is, I've got no issue with the workers in China. They, they, they work hard. They're paid well. Contrary to what a lot of people think, there's more self-made millionaires in Shanghai than any city in the world. There's more entrepreneurial drive in China than there is in America. I travel there all the time. Their tax policy is actually better for entrepreneurs in China than it is here. But the government of China, I absolutely disagree with. So we are, we've moved a lot of our production out of China to Vietnam. Um, which is far more American friendly. It's a far better American ally comp- uh, country. And then we brought, we just recently, we've got all of our accessories now are coming back to the United States. And we will have full production of accessories in the U.S. Be- you know, by the end of this year. There's, I mean, it's, you just can't throw a switch. There's a lot of tooling that's the manufacturers, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we have to do to get the production line, to get this in production. But our footprint in China is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, but if I can, if anybody out there really is passionate about it and they, uh, and they know of metal magic manufacturers that can do high volume work, let me know. Um, now our true safe, um, which is really, we're doing a big relaunch with the true safe is 100% made in America and it's a bomb. It's a beast. Um, and that's a, uh, that is a true, um, we designed it following the, the original patent for the fireproof safe by Silas Herring in 1865, much a more modern version. It's a double walled steel safe filled with cement. It's a cement composite and uh, the fire testing on it. We tested it and it went two hours and 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, in the gun yeah, safe. You and I world, talked about like yeah. the fire thing yeah. on your initial uh, visit and how that's like a huge sales pitch for liberty it's, and all these it's, other. But if, you're, if your safe is in a house fire, that's are right. you ever going to want to shoot those guns again? Nope. Nope. Now, our, the true safe is marketed, though, as a it holds, it has cradle grid, but it also is designed to hold valuables. So it's designed for people who have like, like if you got gold, if you got watch collection, you got do, paper documents, it is a true safe. It's big enough to hold eight guns, but it holds a lot of other gear. Um, but again, the static rating on that test is two hours, two hours plus. Yeah. I would give it a dynamic rating of 40 to 45 minutes. Now, the gun safe industry does not use dynamic ratings. They use static. Static is the safe sits in an oven. Problem is a fire in your home isn't an oven. It's a torrent of whipping wind in excess of 60 miles an hour. In that convective environment, your gun safe, I mean, your average hour rated safe would last five to 10 minutes. Our true safe, I think, would go about 40 to 45 minutes in a, in a convective fire. But, you know, I read another article the other day about fires in America continue to go down. The The risk of fire in America, fire insurance policies are getting cheaper. It's it's getting easier. Um, 
as as we become safer and new homes are being there's a lot of homes being built now with sprinkler systems in the home. Hmm. So it's uh and 90, I don't know what the number, 94, 95% of all fires in homes are in the kitchen confined to a pot. So it's, I don't consider the risk. I use agile cabinets in my home because for me, they work the best. I like them. They're small, they're modular. I can put them where I want to. And I've got a whole wall of them in my office for, and I keep all sorts of stuff from, I've got one set up with bourbon. You know, just mm. you open it up. It's an upper cabinet, one of the forties. It's got shelves in it, and it's it's a liquor cabinet. I, and I'm not worried about security and stuff. I just thought it looked funny. I thought, I've got the space. Let's just set it up. So mm. it's uh, that's more of a showpiece for that. But uh, no, the uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because so far I've not seen anybody else come out with a policy. I mean, it may, I mean, I don't know. So they not, came out and said you can opt out of them having your. Well, Liberty did that. If, if you, again, if you go back to them, go online and fill out a form with all, with a bunch more information, you can opt out. That's not what America, America is not about opting out. America is about mm. privacy, but the rest of the manufacturers out there, I've not seen any of these guys coming out with policies with with what are you guys gonna what how are you handling what's your policy because they're probably all doing the same thing right they they are they are but so that they don't want to come out and say it's kind of like if if no one's talking about us then that's probably a good thing right now with the backlash Mm -hmm. that liberty is facing i i think that's a big thing is nobody's talking about us let's put our head in the sand and uh let's hide but when this thing happened we had we had a statement published within Within two hours, I shot a video. In fact, I was in a hotel while I was traveling, and I immediately oh, sorry, shot a video yeah. just just stating our policy. And uh, because again, coming out of the defense world, transparency is huge for us. We're not. There's no. There's no hidden agenda. There's no secret. There's no, you know, corporate ownership or investment capital groups that run us that we're beholden to. We're beholden to our customers and providing them solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um because if the public says absolutely not do i want to buy a safe thing with access codes i'm not sure what happens because they're all doing it and i don't think they're going to stop no like you said if that's the only way they can guarantee their warranty they're afraid it isn't i think they're just afraid that Somebody buys a safe from them. I mean, let's say a high-end safe, like a nice Fort Knox safe. Fort Knox is a good company, not a bad company. Their high-end safes are 10, 12 grand. Yeah. And the, the guy, oh, I lost my combination. They don't want to tell that guy, you got to cut the, you got to hire a locksmith to, and again, on high-end, like my true safe, it's not going to be easy to get in that safe. Yeah. You're going to spend some time. You're going to make a big mess. You're going to, it's, it's uh it is a yeoman's task to open these safes and say, same with Fort Knox, those safes, they're just, they're, they're monsters. They're, they have a filled safe as well. It's a concrete composite safe. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to defer to the customer and put them and let them be in charge. And if the customer decides to lose both access codes and not, and not take his storage seriously, I feel sorry for him, but it's on him because the other 2000 people, Nobody knows they have a safe. Nobody knows the combination but them. And that's, to me, that's more value. Oh, that's how it should be. I think so, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You know, uh, 
the the message can't be a, a safe is a safe until someone asks for your combination. Like <laughs> it's not a safe at all. Like no, that's yeah. The, when is a safe not a safe? Well, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's we're we're doing we're doing our job. We're doing what we do what we do, and not everybody wants what 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 we, what we do. But uh, you know, we're all about flexible, modular, fast access storage. If that's what you want, you know, consider secure it. You're not gonna. There's no, there's no games. There's no BS. And uh, yeah, but the next four months will be interesting. It's 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 possible that in, in in come beginning of next year, this is all forgotten about. Mm -hmm. It's possible because I've seen it happen before with things. Everybody's so passionate about. Time goes by, and it's kind of like when when the Mississippi River floods really bad, and all these houses in the low, oh, never build there again. Yeah, no building in these areas because it floods so much. You know, 10, 20 years later, there's all these houses down there, and that hundred year storm comes again, and boom, same thing happens again. So, well, I don't know. The way I hope the, not. The government is trending right now. I don't know that people are going to be so quick to forget. We've seen what happened yeah. with Bud Light. I don't yeah. think they're going to recover. Not to the point. No, I don't. I don't think so, so either. Uh, I am not saying the same thing is going to happen to Liberty, but I would be shocked if it didn't affect their bottom line. Uh, oh, it's. I'm sure that they're, they're they're getting hammered. I feel I feel bad for the dealers. Mm -hmm. um, they're good people. The workers. I've toured their facility. I've met with their senior team years ago, looking at doing a licensing agreement. The people that work at Liberty are good, hardworking Americans. They're dealers. I know. I may have met a lot of their dealers. We at one point had our safes in some of their dealers, and. Mm -hmm. They're, they're all good guys, good girls. They're, oh, sure. they're just, and right now they, they've got a store that's empty. They've got a floor of inventory. And uh, someone may be wondering, am I going to pay my mortgage in two months? I, I don't know. We we may reach out to some of them. Um, my product isn't really something that sells well through dealers. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Only because my safe doesn't look good empty. It looks good full of guns, but they can't do that. Whereas, uh, you well, know, yours has components that, you know, you yeah. install yourself, but you yeah. customize it how you want. So, right. It's a build. It's a. I was to say our safe is a tool that allows you to build the interior you want. Mm -hmm. But gun safes. I learned this while on a plant tour. Gun safes are designed to look impressive empty because that's how people evaluate them when they buy them. Yeah. You know that's that's just the, that's just the way the world is. I think that's changing right now, and uh, people are waking up to it. But. Um, but, I mean, I have like I have a Bighorn safe, and yep. I don't know. I probably is advertised that it holds twenty guns. It's a nice big, yep. You know, supposed to look nice in a room. Deal. Yep. I I can't keep that thing organized. The guns are all touching each other. They're all stacked up on top of each other. Uh, to to yeah. find what I'm looking for. No, this this one behind me. You open it up. They're all right there, lined up. Yep. All the ammo organized nicely. Uh, I've got a, you know, you've got um, bins for whatever, for X, for cleaning supplies, for, I keep suppressors in one, you know, right. whatever it is. Um, and like you said, it's not visually look, it doesn't look as good as the other one. But well, empty functionality, does. When, right, right. When you, when you deck it out, they look yeah. great. Oh, because uh, that gun safe can't, a traditional gun safe can't do what we can do as far as organizing gear and guns. And all the bins you're using, again, we're open architecture. Customers can go to Home Depot and buy bins and trays that fit in the safe. So they can really, the volume of gear coming into consumer 
firearms is growing exponentially. And our solution was designed for SOCOM, for special forces units who have tons of gear. So the guns are easy. The gear is hard. And that's, it's, we see that now in me and my safes, I've got more and more gear, hunting gear, um, precision gear. I do a lot of, you know, I keep my reload, a lot of reloading stuff. I keep in my safes only because it's expensive and not that I need to lock it, but I can organize it in a way that it just, to me, it's cleaner. It looks better. Well, I love it. And I, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. It's uh... certainly, certainly, certainly it's, uh, good to talk. I think this is an important thing to talk about. And to keep people thinking, if uh, if American made is absolutely critical to a, to a shopper, look at our True Safe. It is a hundred uh, percent um, made in America. It's not inexpensive, but it's mm-hmm. it is a true safe, and it's a beast. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, maybe six months we'll get together again, and we'll like, holy cow, people got it. The world <laughs> is changing. I don't know. Actually, it'll be after the next election. Yeah, um, let's hope. Yeah, well, let's, let's hope. Well, I think I think the winds of change are blowing. I think it's going to be. I, I'm optimistic about the future right now. Well, I hope you're right. And so uh, do I. Hope I. That you, I hope <laughs> that you uh, put your tag on that that big buck that's uh, running. I do too. It, it'd be nice this year. I've not. Uh, I've not had a successful bow hunt in my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm new to bow hunting. I've been rifle hunting for a while, and I had a shoulder injury. I couldn't draw a bow. Tried crossbow, didn't like it, but I've been working out, getting strong. So I'm hunting. This is my third year hunting with a bow, and I think third year will be the charm. Awesome. Well, good luck. I'm headed to uh, New Mexico with my bow uh, nice. tomorrow. So, yeah, after elk. Nice. So, well, good luck, Tom. Thanks for the time, and we'll All do right, it again Here's... somewhere on down the road. All right, sir. Have a great afternoon. You too. Bye. Right, bye-bye. So there you have it. What's going on with the uh, safe manufacturing industry? Uh, the latest there from our friend Tom Kubanik of Secure It Tactical. That's going to do it for episode 46 of Campfire Conversations. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying thanks for tuning in. You all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm surrounded by forever, but I don't have any time. Left to wander in amusement Left to ride my breath is dying